0: to earth, that is good news, and so I'm glad that you're here this morning to worship with us, Um, it's going to be an exciting day, I have to be excited because I'm running on low sleep because we had a Disciple Now weekend with teenagers, and um, unless it's an absolute emergency, don't call me this afternoon, Um, but... uh, but now you'll hear more about that this this a little bit later in our service. But uh, we're excited that you're here, especially if you are one of our guests. We'd love for, to know who you are and a little bit more about you. There's a tear out in the bulletin. You can fill that out and place it in the offering, or uh, you place an offering plate, or give it to a minister at the door at the end of the service. Uh, but right now, uh, find someone and and shake their hand and and let them know that you're that, that you're glad to see them. It's 2018 and. And uh, you may not get to see them till next year, so you're glad you get to see them today. <laughs>
1: Father we thank you for this Christmas season never let us uh, take it lightly each and every year we celebrate it has great meaning the spirit of Christmas and the spirit of the gospel lives on thank you for that thank you for blessing us so richly each and every day and may we extend that blessing to others by the giving of our monies to go and help those in need to further the gospel here in the community and worldwide just give us generous hearts for us in christ's name we pray amen
2: Kids, come on down front here with me if you don't mind. Right here, I'll sit on the stage. How are y'all doing this morning? Good, everybody, have a great Christmas. You did awesome, that's really good. Y'all excited? What? Yeah, all right, look what I have right here. Got this awesome coloring book that I got. It's pretty cool. But you know what? This is kinda like it's kinda like the Bible. You know what? A lot of people have a Bible, but they never open it up. They never read it. So when they do that, well, guess what's inside? If they never open it up, they don't see anything, do they? It's just blank. What? All right, so if you never open up your Bible that's what you get, right, these are the stories that you see but there are lots of stories in the Bible, right so you can just read the Bible just for the fun of it is that right, can you do that but if you do guess what you read it just for the fun of it well, you get a few things, hold on, let me turn this way you can kind of get an outline of the Bible, right Kind kind of see what it looks like yeah, there's a couple of good stories in there but if, yeah, that's just reading it. That's not really doing it for any reason, just just reading stories. To really get into this, you got to really make it come alive, right? So you really want to read it because that's what God wants you to do. He wants you not only to read it, but he wants you to share it. So guess what? When we're reading this, when you're reading your Bible, this is a coloring book, but when you're reading your Bible, you really dig down deep into it, and you start praying about what God's doing for you comes alive and all the bright colors that come out so God's showing you exactly what he wants you to read okay it's pretty neat huh and just like with our lighting moon we take this we want to take it and share it right and that's what our lighting moon offering is doing is allowing us to go and allow other people our missionaries to go and share the bible can y'all do that you read your bible not just leave it sitting on your desk and you get nothing. Not just read it for the fun of it so you just get the outline. But actually read it and understand the story so it comes alive to you. All right? I to do that this week and throughout your whole lives. And I'll guarantee you, you'll be blessed. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, thank you for a, a coloring book, Lord, that had different pages in it. Some are blank, some are black and white, some are color. But it's just to show you or show these kids about you, about your word, and how if it just sits on a table and collects dust, that it shows nothing. If we just read it just because we want to read it, then it only gives us an outline. But to truly dig into your word, Lord, to truly understand it, we have to pray and read it fully, and then the bright colors will burst forth. And be able to show you what your word really truly means. Um, be with all these kids as they go into their children's church. In your precious name we pray. Amen.
3: stand again.
0: We've been talking about Lottie Moon over the last several weeks We will continue uh, to have the opportunity to to give to our International Mission Board But I do want to let you know that uh, we get to add four more bows today That means we have two bows remaining to reach our goal And um, so, good job Northside Good job, Northside. Somebody around the world is going to hear about Jesus because you're giving and you're praying, and we uh, want to support our our missionaries. So um, thank you for that. And that truly is exciting. Uh, we really weren't even close to our goal last year, and so we're we're this close, uh, and that's that's exciting to me. Um, so, but I do want to. Let you know a little bit about what we did this weekend with our, our teenagers and disciple now, and I thought who better to tell you than some of the folks that participated. So I'm going to ask Micah and Hunter to come up, and they're going to talk to you a little bit about some of the things that they learned. This microphone will have to be adjusted before the for the two of you.
3: So I'm, uh, as y'all know, I'm Hunter. So this weekend the theme was being on pause, which means stopping and putting away social media, cell phones and just eliminating all distractions from God. And during this weekend I learned that every situation that especially teenagers come in can be solved if you if you read the Bible. So and I've learned that and I've learned that I made a commitment to myself to read it and to regurgitate it that way I can solve my solve my problems in a lot easier way. And it's also better for my life and also my walk with God.
0: So this weekend, as we learn to pause throughout our day-to-day basis, we learn to uh, study God's word. And as we learn to do that, we can learn to to
2: get closer to God because that's one of the only ways we can do that. We can read his word and pray. But once we have paused and we have taken that time out,
0: then we need to hit play. And so we can share the gospel to others and help them get in that habit of taking pause and just focusing on Him. I appreciate you guys sharing with us. And uh, yeah, what a, what a weekend it was. I want to thank our host, Holmes. Larry and Heather Stanton, David and Andy Mazden, Brian and Alexa Lucas, and Lindsay. And uh, Lindsay also cooked for us this weekend a a good bit. And uh, I want to thank Justin and Kelsey Sellers. Uh, And so we we had a great weekend, and and our own college students were the ones who were leading the the Bible study sessions and pouring back into our teenagers. And so uh, what a model of discipleship that that is. Uh, is taking the time to pour back into our, our own folks at our church. And so thank you to our college leaders as well. Um, and uh, But just, just a great weekend. And, and you heard from Micah and from Hunter about what it means to just stop sometimes or stop on a regular occasion and spend time with the Lord. Um, but having said that, today we are going to Conclude our series through the book of Acts, and so before we get into reading this portion of, of chapter twenty eight, I just want to um, I want to recap. You see this? Um, I want to recap a few things for you as we uh, as we get into the last part of of the book of Acts, and so uh, we we began this, and I said, if you'll remember. Way back, uh, the, the well, it wasn't the week after Easter. The week after Easter, we talked about the road to Emmaus and, and the, the disciples that were there. And the following week, we just jumped right into the book of Acts. And a lot of people would say that these are the Acts of the Apostles. Maybe you, maybe that's even a title in, in your Bible, that, that it's the Acts of the Apostles. There's nothing wrong with that. Some people said, however, that to be more theologically accurate, we should call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Well, just in my study of the book of Acts and my understanding of it, I think it's both. And if you'll remember, I said, but if we were to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit working through the apostles because Jesus Christ has ascended, it would just be a really cumbersome title. And so we just call it Acts. And so these are the actions of the early church, the first people uh, who were believers in Jesus Christ, the first people that uh, were partakers or uh, had, had the Holy Spirit indwell them, what did they do? What did that early church do? And yes, I, I do believe that it describes a lot of things for us, but I believe it models a lot of things for us as well. Um, and so as we move in through the book of Acts, one of the first things that we see, and it's kind of scary, when you first look at it, is Jesus leaves. Jesus goes away. Jesus' ascension is right up front in the first chapter of the book of Acts. And then uh, there are some words that he that he tells that he tells the uh, apostles, there are words that he tells the other disciples who are standing around, uh, and, and he says these things before he ascends, but he says in Acts 1.8, and I told you this would be a theme verse that would be almost like a prophecy for uh, the for the entire book. He says that the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. These are Jesus' words. It's, it's, it's as if he's speaking prophecy to you, and the Holy Spirit will come down, and then you're going to be my witnesses. You're going to start right here in Jerusalem. And we see that as the, as the, as the story of Acts unfolds. And you're going to go to Judea and Samaria. You're going to go to the ends of the earth. And that's, that's his words, some of his final words to the church before he ascends. And so uh, we we look, and as as he ascends, he is seated, he is enthroned, he's the king of kings. Uh, The the choir just sang about he's the king of kings. He is seated, he's enthroned. All things are are under him. Uh, Jesus Christ is our eternal king, seated forever enthroned. And ten days later, because he says, now wait, because the Holy Spirit's coming. Go back and wait. The Holy Spirit's coming. Ten days later. The day of Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes down. If if you will remember, I told you that it wasn't that this is the first time that it was called Pentecost, the word Pentecost has been around for for several centuries, it was 50 days after the Passover, it it was a commemoration in Jewish history of the law being given to Moses on Mount Sinai, and it's a fulfillment of, of a prophecy from Old Testament that says, I will not only write the, the law on, on tablets but the law will be written on their hearts and so when you think about that prophecy and you think about that the day of Pentecost was a celebration of the giving of the law to, to Moses now of all the days in the calendar year this is the day the Holy Spirit comes down and the Holy Spirit comes down to dwell in our hearts to place the law within our hearts the Holy Spirit comes down the day of Pentecost some fascinating things happen there people start talking and it sounds weird, but they understand each other, and there's all kinds of other things that happen. But let's let's move forward because what, what quickly happens then is the church gets into action, and we see in chapter 2 that the church comes together and they begin to uh, care for one another and they begin to teach and, and, and share there in Jerusalem. And we see a couple of major characters. Um, it could be said Peter is a character, but some some characters in this story the apostles really begin to carry out the mission of Jesus, especially Peter and John. I mean, others others do a lot of different things, but especially Peter and John. You remember they go up to the man at the gate called Beautiful, and um, and he says, and he says, alms, alms. I, you know, these silver or gold. And 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 Peter says, and silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. He gives him the name of Jesus, and the lame man stands up and walk, walks. And Peter and John, they're able to carry out the message of Jesus, and they're sharing the stories of Jesus. And they even uh, the, the Bible tells us that even miracles are happening through the apostles. Some major characters here. But then, then we get into the business side of the church. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of people in the church. It's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to care for everybody. And so they said, well, let us select some men among us who are full of the Spirit and full of grace. Uh, and, and they will serve as deacons, and they can they can help take care of, of the people and meet their, their physical needs. And so deacons are, are chosen as an early part of, of the church. So the apostles continue to preach and continue to proclaim the good news, continue to carry the message of Jesus. And the deacons then meet some of those physical needs, and it's a model for us even today. Our deacons reach out and help meet physical needs within our within our church, within our congregation. Um, but especially the the deacons of Stephen and of Philip, if you remember if you remember those names, uh, Stephen. Stephen was also teaching. Just because you're a deacon doesn't mean that you, you you're that you're prohibited from proclaiming the good news. Stephen was telling people about Jesus as well as meeting needs. And so as he's, as he's preaching, some people get upset, and so they drag him outside the city. And um, this is interesting because just as I read it, I think, oh, there's that, there's that prophecy again in Jerusalem and in Judea. Now he's outside the city walls of Jerusalem. He's in Judea. And what happens, even as they drag him out and begin to stone him, as they begin to hurl pebbles and rocks at him he continues to proclaim the good news and he looks up into the heavens and not, does, not only does he see Jesus who has been seated and enthroned but now he sees Jesus standing before him almost as if applauding him and welcoming, welcoming him home. What a, what a great vision that must be. And uh, not that I want to see it today but <laughs> whenever the end of my life comes to be able to see Jesus be able to see Jesus, wow, <laughs> I want to be there, I remember um, just in, I've been, I've been close beside people at the end of their life, just, just a handful of times, and those people who have, who are believers, um, I remember my own granny, uh, about 15 minutes before she died. She asked everybody to leave the room except for her only son, and uh, my my granddad had already passed on. And she said, uh, she said, well, I talked to Jesus and told him I didn't really want to live like this, and he told me I didn't have to. And about 15 minutes later, she was with him. And what a moment that must be. And, I, and we think about Stephen, but also think about Philip, who was caught up. Who was caught up just the the Spirit led him to a man who was reading some Old Testament scriptures, didn't understand what he was reading. And he, he was there, and so he said, Well, let me explain it to you. And he shared Jesus. He shared about this Messiah that had come. It, it, this is the one that you're reading about. And and so the Ethiopian said, Well, what prohibits me from being baptized? <laughs> he said, Nothing. Let's go, let's be baptized. And and he's 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 a believer, and this takes place in guess where Samaria. And so here we have the gospel, being, people being witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and in Samaria. And then we hear this story, this amazing story, this amazing transformation of this man who was out. He was, he was so zealous for the Jewish faith that he would go and attack Christians. He attacked people that were a part of the way. He would He would bring them in and put them in prison. Uh, oftentimes it would lead to their death he was standing by when 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 uh, stephen was stoned holding the cloaks of those almost as if uh, nodding in approval that this is a good thing that you're killing one of these christians but he was on his way to damascus to, to get rid of some more and he was stopped in his tracks because a bright light from heaven came and 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 just stopped him and blinded him and where he was blind before because of the darkness of the world, he's now blind for three days because of the bright light of heaven. And he went to a man named Ananias who prayed over him, and scales, something like scales fell from his eyes, and he could see again. And this man, Saul, who it's the same man, but it's called Paul as he goes to the Gentiles, becomes the greatest missionary uh, that, that, that we see, and he carries the gospel. Not, not only now does he, he doesn't attack Christians, but he's actually trying to set up church and establish Christians and choose elders and teach the deacons and bringing people along with him, and, and he takes every opportunity he has. In the conversion of Saul, what we see shortly thereafter is this great mission. We see Peter and John begin to fade from the scene a little bit, uh, just, beca- just the way the narrative unfolds, and, and Paul becomes a very prominent character. And we see churches in Antioch, churches in some of the places you probably remember a little more readily, Corinth and Ephesus and Philippi, but then also churches in places like Lystra and Derbe and Berea and Athens. And he goes all over modern day Turkey and and Greece, proclaiming the good news. Always first going to the synagogue to teach his brothers, those that that were uh, followers of Abraham and Moses and Followers of Yahweh, he goes first to the synagogue but then always turns and, and looks and seeks out the Gentiles and shares the good news with them as well. And then somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way in all of his journeys, if you see Acts 19:21, we see this. He reasoned in his heart that he needed to go back to Jerusalem. He needed to go back to Jerusalem. It says, Paul resolved in the spirit pass through Macedonia and Achaia and go to Jerusalem and then this after I've been there he said I must see Rome as well I must see Rome and God had promised him that he would be that that he would proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ before the Jews before kings before the Gentiles and he and, and, and God showed up another time and said I'm faithful to my word. You will proclaim this message before these people. Paul said, I've got to get to Rome. I've got to get to Rome. Why Rome? The last couple of weeks, we've talked about that, that kind of that final journey to get to Rome and the shipwreck that took place, and as he's going over the Mediterranean Sea. But why Rome? What is so special about Rome? Well, first of all, it is the center of the Roman Empire. Where Caesar is. It's where all of the institutions are for higher learning. It's where all the institutions are for training of the soldiers. This is the center of the empire. And Paul says, I got to get there. But the truth is that even as history unfolds, there's a lot of history that Paul didn't know about. In fact, he, he couldn't know about it. Things have transpired since that time that Paul had no idea. Would, would take place. The, so much of our history, especially those of us here in the Western world, can be traced back to the influences from Rome. If you think about it, the Roman Empire at that time had influence, had impact on Italy and Spain and Portugal, and it eventually even, even those influences made their way to Great Britain. And, in, in, and then in a time in our history, when imperialism and colonialism became so... Important in the history of the world. All of these things were carried out from influences in Rome. Influences in art and architecture, technology, literature, our languages, and even law. But perhaps more than any other thing. And it wasn't always pretty. And if I'm honest, it wasn't always done with biblical ethics. But perhaps more than anything else, it was a spread of religion or at least the spread of the name of Jesus Christ. It didn't always get it right. It's been influenced and it's been mixed in with a lot of, a lot of, local, uh, local, a lot of local polytheistic type religions across our world. It wasn't always right, but sometimes it was right. Sometimes it did, it, we, we, we did get it right in, in our history. But as you think about the expansion of the world, from Europe and the influence that, goes, that gets traced back to Rome. Think about the influences even from Germany now with the Reformation and the printing press and even to England and those others who came to America. The influence of Rome, it's amazing. Paul couldn't know all of that but he knew he had to get to Rome. There's no way he could know all of that. There's no way that he could know about a printing press. There's no way that he could know about, hey, if, if, if I go here and I have an influence here and it gets taken into greater Europe and then, it goes, and then one day they're going to have ships that sail, there's going to be a guy named Magellan that goes all the way around the world. There's no way that he could know all of that. And so the question is, can we really measure Paul's impact upon not only Christianity, but the history of the world as we know it. Can we even really measure that? Paul's impact and influence. But listen, all because of this. That day on the road to Damascus and when he got there, he decided to be faithful to the Lord. He decided that his life was going to be poured out as a drink offering that his life was going to be dedicated to the Lord but not only that when you really begin to think about all these pieces of the puzzle and there's more think about Ananias he doesn't get nearly the notoriety that Paul does but Ananias didn't want to go to Paul he didn't want to go to this man who had been attacking people like him followers of the way but he was faithful to the Lord's call but even if Paul is faithful and even if Ananias is faithful there's a third component there God is faithful now that one's never failing God is always faithful but if we serve a God who is ever unfaithful then it doesn't really matter what we do but God is faithful and he used Paul in a mighty way. And so if you have your Bibles and you've turned to Acts chapter 28, I would ask if you would please stand for the reading of God's word. We will be Acts 28, beginning in verse 11. After three months, we set sail in an Alexandrian ship that had wintered at the island <clears throat> Excuse me, with the, Trent, with, with the twin brothers as its figurehead. Putting in at Syracuse, we stayed three days. From there, after making a circuit along the coast, we reached uh, Rephgium. After one day, a south wind sprang up, and the second day we came to Puteoli. Uh, Put- there we found believers, and we were invited to stay with them for seven days. And so we came to Rome. Now the believers from there had heard the news about us, and they'd come to meet us, as far as the forum of Appius and the three taverns. When Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. When we entered Rome, Paul was permitted to stay by himself with the soldier who guarded him. God, thank you again for your word as we've read it this morning. God, speak to us now and may we listen. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. I apologize. I, I promise I practiced those words I just read this passage here and maybe you've read it before maybe it's the first time you've you've read this but I'm not quite M. Night Shyamalan uh, the director who always has a very strict uh, a very surprising plot twist in his movies but if this is the first time you're reading through the book of Acts there is a plot twist here that I just read for you I don't know. I don't know if you caught it, because for all the greatness that is Paul, he was not the first one to take the gospel to Rome. He had reasoned in his heart, "I've got to get to Rome. I'm going to go back to Jerusalem, and then I got to get to Rome." And he endured. A, he endured a terrible trip on his way to Rome. He was shipwrecked. He was bitten by a snake. He was. He was praised as a god. He was. It was awful. But he gets to Rome and. What does he find? He's greeted by believers. So, who took the gospel to Rome? And if you don't hear anything else today, this is is awesome. We may never know who first took the gospel to Rome, and that is beautiful. That's fantastic. I love the fact that it didn't require someone... As amazing as Paul to take the gospel to Rome. It may have been some merchants. It may have just been some merchants on a merchant ship who got to Rome. It may have been slaves who were taken over to Rome. It may have been some soldiers who took the message back. But somebody that we don't know their name took the message of Jesus Christ to Rome. Paul played a major part in that, but he wasn't the first one to to do so. Why is that beautiful? Because you and I, we don't have to be as amazing or as prolific as Paul to carry the gospel to those that we meet. We don't have to be as awesome as Paul to share the gospel. And if you think you're as awesome as Paul, I got really hard news for you. But you don't have to be like the Apostle Paul. There's only one Apostle Paul. God called him with a very specific calling. But listen, there's only one like you. There's only one like you, and God has called you with a very specific calling. What are you and I going to do with it? So the truth is, there's only, there was only one Paul, but there have been thousands, millions of people that history has forgotten who were faithful to the call of God on their life. Something I heard one time that just caused me just, just to think for just a long time, I don't know if I if if I do that around Lindsay she says it smells like rubber burning but I was I was thinking and can I, can you trace back your spiritual lineage think about who shared the gospel with you think about where you were when when someone told you about Jesus and you think about that and maybe think about well how did they hear the gospel did they read scripture and or did someone tell them and then you go back a little bit further and who told them and you trace your spiritual lineage, and it's, it's like, it's, it's impossible to, to do that. You think, well, nobody really told me. I was, I was reading scripture, and, and, I, and, I, and I heard. Well, who, who printed that scripture? Who translated that scripture, and, and who had told? It's just, it's amazing. And now, for, for most people in the world, you could probably trace it back. You could probably trace it back to one of about 12 people to one of about 12 people who were apostles of Jesus. That's speculation on my part. That's just just me looking at it, but that's pretty awesome to think about. But maybe, maybe you can trace it back to Paul. Or maybe you can trace it back to an unnamed merchant or a soldier or a slave who came across the Mediterranean. Who knows? Just something to think about. But though history may forget you, And though history may forget me, the Lord sees what we do. And the Lord sees what we don't do. The gospel. I was trying to come up with a title for today, The Power of the Gospel, or The Gospel is Greater Than Paul, or something. What is it? If it's so powerful, if it can transform people's lives, then what is it? I love to just say, Jesus in my place. That is, hey, I, I ought to go to hell. If you knew me, if you knew anything about me, actually, you don't even have to know me. You just know that I'm a sinner. I ought to go to hell. But I don't, I don't have to because Jesus loved me. He came down and He died on the cross. I, I, I should have been there but he lived a sinless life that I couldn't live and then de- he died the death that I should have died and then he conquered death, which I was unable to do and all I have to do is place my, my faith in him. Repent from that sinful man that I was and place my faith in him and I too can experience eternal life. Oh man, that doesn't even seem fair. But God loves you that much. That's the gospel. That's the good news. The good news I deserve death and hell, but I don't have to because of Jesus Christ. He took my place. That's the gospel. 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians talks about it a little bit too. If you ever ever are trying to think, well, what is is the gospel? You can write this in the front of your your Bible there. Just go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and just read verses 3 and 4 you ever think all right now now i'm trying to figure, what is what is the gospel I, I i know we talk about it a lot where can i find the gospel here this is a great little this is a, a great this is gospel in a nutshell at christmas something got stuck in one of my bags it was literally a walnut shell with a little nativity scene in it i was like oh look nativity in a nutshell but yeah it's random Did, didn't plan on that's not in my sermon notes didn't plan on sharing that today but First corinthians 15 Three and four, for I passed on to you as most important what I also received. Here it is, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. Go back to that. We don't know what else to talk about. Talk about Jesus coming, crucified, buried, resurrected. For your sin, for my sin. There's the gospel. It's important that we understand that. I told this story last night to the teenagers a couple weeks ago I was meeting with some with some pastors in town and um, one of them said something that uh, I had not ever really paid attention to in scripture before. I have often said the most important question in the whole world that that, that can be asked of you was a question that was asked to Peter. Jesus asked Peter this question before he asked Peter this question he asked all of the all of the apostles he said uh who do men say that I am? And they came back with lots of different answers. Some say you're a prophet, some say, some say you're Elijah, some say that you're John the Baptist, this kind of thing, and he stops and says, but who do you say that I am? Now, I've said that a long time. That's the most important question you, can ever, you could ever answer. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter, Peter got it right. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Blessed are you, Peter, son of Jonah, because Flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven has revealed this to you, and on this I will build my church. You, so here's Peter's confession. He answers a question. He nails it. He gets it right. I've understood that for a while. What the pastor that I was speaking with shared with me was this. He asked the apostles, who do men say that I am? And they had an answer because they had been talking to the other men, they have been talking to their neighbors about Jesus. They have been having those conversations so they could answer Jesus's question when he said, hey, who does your co-worker say Jesus is? Who does your neighbor say that I am? Do you know? Have you talked about me with your family, with your neighbor, with your co-worker, with your classmate? Have you had that conversation? If you hadn't had that conversation, you have no idea who they say that I am. And I thought, man, what an indictment. I need to find out what my neighbors think about Jesus. I need to know. So if Jesus comes and asks me, hey, BJ, who does your neighbor say Jesus is? What does your neighbor say about me? I don't want to look back at Jesus and say, I never thought it was important enough to find out. Who do men say that Jesus is? The book of Acts certainly shares with us a lot of history. But oh my goodness, does it, is it an indictment upon us as the church to move with the Holy Spirit? If I conclude with, with just a few little notes here, I'm taking over, the, just, just kind of taking the book of Acts as a whole. Here's just a few things. There's just a few things. First of all, Jesus is king. (laughs) Jesus is king. I mean, we read the Gospels, and we know that he defeated death. He was resurrected, but, man, he has ascended, and he's he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And know this, he's coming again. He is coming again. He's coming to take his bride home. Are you a part of that bride? Number two. The Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit moves. Don't always understand how it moves or where it moves. It's like the wind. It's mysterious in some ways. My question, is he at work within you? Is the Spirit moving you? I was told just a couple of years ago that uh, when you compare denominations and you think about who really makes an impact in in missions, Southern Baptists, we, we like to, Pat ourselves on the back a little bit, puff our chests out. Yeah, we 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 do missions well, and we do. I think we do a really good job. The cooperative program is a great thing, and, and it's, a, it's a great idea. And we give to our missionaries, but at least by by one metric, it was Pentecostals, not Southern Baptists. It says, well, what in the world? And and here was here was here was what was shared, because a lot of times Baptists we, we try to Condemn people into sharing the gospel. Well, if, if if you didn't share Jesus on the airplane and revival break out with 400 passengers on, I don't know how many people on the airplane, not that many. But if it didn't break out with the whole plane get breaking to revival, then what are you really doing? And and I don't know. Sometimes we, we try to shame people into sharing the gospel, and that's not what I that's not what I intend to do. But the, but Pentecostals they will focus on the fact that the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you all you have the power to share the gospel. You you have the You have everything that the Holy Spirit is leading. He gives you the words to say. He goes before you to work on the hearts of people you will share. And really talk about the power of the Spirit in that conversion experience, in sharing the gospel with people. The Holy Spirit is active. The Holy Spirit is active. Is he at work within you? Are you willing to be led by the Spirit of God? Always in accordance with God's word. But also this. I take from the book of Acts. You matter. You matter. And only not not, not in a prideful kind of way. We know we're all sinners and we come to we we come to the Lord humbly. And the fact is, God doesn't need us. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. But he chooses to use you. He chooses to love you. He, He chooses to use us. If we're just willing be used by God you matter Ananias mattered the people whoever it was that took the gospel to Rome they mattered you matter in the kingdom of God and the last thing is the gospel absolutely changes lives the gospel changes lives I can't legislate you into doing things that you ought to do I mean not Not to change your heart. You might be afraid of the consequences and do things. We can modify behavior, but to change your heart, it's the gospel. And it's bigger than you or me. It's bigger than Paul. The gospel changes lives. And listen, church. If we don't take the gospel seriously... If we don't take the great commission seriously, if we're not serious about carrying out the last portion of Acts 1:8, carrying the mission, carrying the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth. If we're not serious about discipleship, if we're not serious about making disciples. If we're not serious about this, listen. It doesn't really matter who Our pastor is. We need to be about carrying out God's mission. That's a personal statement that the Holy Spirit leads us, that Jesus Christ calls us to go and make disciples. That's what we're to do. How do we do that? How do we do that? Share what you know, share the gospel. Open our mouths to speak about Jesus. Another thing, it, was, it just tied in beautifully, this discipleship weekend, Disciple Now with the teenagers. Another thing I told them last night is, sometimes, sometimes I just have to go hunting. Excuse me. Sometimes I just have to go hunting. What do you mean by that? Well, I had a guy who shared this with me, and so it, I thought it was pretty good. He said, Have you ever shot a deer, BJ? I said, I have. He said, well, where were you? I was in the deer stand. You didn't shoot him just sitting at home? Nope, didn't shoot him just sitting at home. So how do you share the gospel with people? You have to intentionally go out and look and seek opportunities. You think that you're going to the grocery store just to pick up some sandwich meat for the week, but... It might just be that God has you there so you can talk to somebody about Jesus. You think you're going just to get your hair cut, but it might be that you're going to just sit next to someone who needs to hear about Jesus. You think you're going to the doctor's, uh, you know, that you're going to the doctor's office so that you can have someone look at you physically and check out what's going on, but there might be somebody right there in the waiting room that needs to hear about Jesus. Now, it's hard to do that in the dentist chair, but you might get just, uh-huh. But we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about sharing the gospel. If we're not intentional about sharing the gospel, then it's just like it's just like going hunting without a gun. It's just like going fishing with no rod. Might as well sit at home. But that's not what God has called us to do. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. He says, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And by the way, it's not done yet. We see Jerusalem. In Acts, we see Judea, we see Samaria in Acts. We see the beginning of the ends of the earth, but we're not done yet. We've got a job to do. What's going to be your role in the kingdom of God? Let's pray. Father, come to you today. Lord, I know that I haven't always done well at carrying the gospel I can look back and see opportunities that I missed I see opportunities that I missed to just have that conversation and Lord I want to be able to answer you if you if you look down at me and say who do men say that I am I want to be able to have an answer because it means that I have been talking to people (laughs) about Jesus, if he is the most important thing, if Jesus Christ is the most important thing in my life, why wouldn't I talk about him? If he's the love of my life, why wouldn't I talk about him? So God, I pray that we realize the power of the Holy Spirit as it works in our life. And we realize the power of the gospel to change other lives. And we have a heart... We have a heart for people who may just die and go to hell. But they might just die and go to heaven. So Lord, move in us. Help us to make disciples. Help us to carry the name of Jesus. That's the sweetest name we know. Help us to carry the name of Jesus. Not just in our behavior and people look and say, oh, they're they're a nice person. But help us to open up our mouth and speak the name of Jesus. And people will know. And we will know where where our brothers stand. God, I pray that you would be honored and glorified in our life. in, in, In all of our lives. And where you lead us, we humbly follow. And we speak in the name of Jesus, it's in his name I pray, amen. I want to ask if you would to please stand. Uh, if, if talking about the gospel is something that's resonated with you today, and you say, I don't know that I've ever given my life to Jesus Christ. I don't know that I've ever said to the Lord, I want to turn from the sinful person that I, that I am or that I was, and I want to pursue Jesus Christ. Today could be that day. Love nothing more than than for today to be that day, and we can talk through that. But God may be leading you in some other way this morning. However he leads, you follow. Let's sing this last song together. Well, it's been good to worship Jesus today. I want to invite you to come back tonight. Uh, we are we are having services tonight. It's a, it's a music service. There'll be several different, say, uh, groups or or people uh, performing and, and leading us in worship. Also, we'll have an opportunity to come and and request your favorite hymn. Uh, and we did this last time. It's great. You don't have to, but it, it's nice if you find a little background on that hymn. Uh, if nothing else, it'll be edifying for you. And so bring that and share a little bit of that tonight. It'll be a a wonderful experience, a worshipful time tonight. we would love for you to be a part of that. Pay attention to your bulletin about everything else that's going on, and um, I will see you tonight. We're going to sing, we need a little love, and then uh, David, if you will come and close us out in prayer.